0: So the big question is this, why is it that you can have a great mission and vision, a great product or service, but still struggle to reach the quality of audience your work calls for? What is that elusive piece that allows some to command authority and make a massive impact while so many life-changing brands drawn in obscurity? That is the question in this podcast and we will give you the answer. Together, alongside the top marketers, influencers, and business owners in the world, we will share the secrets of authority so you can unlock the income, influence, and impact you and your business deserve. My name is Vamsi Panala, and welcome to Authority Entrepreneurs. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Authority Entrepreneurs podcast. This is Vamsi Panala here and I'm delighted again to have Don Mamone on our show. So from the last episode, if you have not heard what... uh, Don has already said some of the nuggets that you should go and uh, you know hear from that episode. Today we are going to do a little more deep dive into his journey, the kind of experiences he had while becoming an entrepreneur and uh, you know working with some of the biggest in uh, uh, you know, a corporations uh, in the industry helping them with their events so let's go deep dive and understand a little more about uh, his own entrepreneurial journey and uh, are some of the pertinent questions which is the core concept of what authority entrepreneurs as a podcast is Don welcome back to the show
1: thanks for having me here I'm uh, I'm ready to do some some hard work let's do the work wonderful
0: so um as 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 i mentioned um you know one of the core concepts about uh, the authority entrepreneurs podcast is the fact that i've i've personally uh, uh, has has been on this journey for the last 16 months i had my own uh, ups and downs you know valleys in terms of uh, being an expert uh, myself spent about 14 years in the corporate world of being a sales and marketing specialist but when i started my entrepreneurial journey um while I was really putting out the kind of content that I thought would really reach the world, the, the kind of people, my my target audience, my brand persona that I had for uh, the kind of people that I wanted to help, somewhere I, I I never felt that the kind of content that I was putting out was uh, getting the kind of credit that it would probably uh, would, would need. So I'm sure you look at a lot of entrepreneurs like me when you talk to, uh, you know, uh, people who are um, you know, inviting you on their shows or the kind of uh, entrepreneurs you're working with them, helping with their events and all the other requirements as a part of um, your organization. So one of the pertinent questions that I personally wanted to ask you was, how do you think today's entrepreneurs, especially someone who is just starting out or people who have started out, got the start, but are really struggling big time to get the kind of scale that they would always dreamt of, inside their business. So how do they go about establishing themselves as an authority in their niche?
1: Thanks again for having me here. Vamzi. So first and foremost, I want to dispel a myth. And that's that these things happen overnight. If you just do it, if you build it, they will come all of the things around the fact that you can sort of fly into flying. It, it doesn't work that way. Absolutely. You have to crawl, you have to walk then you can run and then eventually you're going to fly. So that's that's the first thing I want to say is if you're an entrepreneur, business owner out there and you feel like, holy smokes, I've been doing this for, and I'm doing the air quotes. You can't see that on a podcast, but I've been doing this for so long. I want you to manage your expectations and rest comfortably in the fact that if you're doing the work, then you're making progress. Even if it feels like you're moving at a snail's pace. Yeah. The next thing I want to talk about is the fact that there's very little in the world I feel like you can do to jump right into being an authority, right? It's a, it's a process. And and here's the way that works in my mind. If you become an expert in your field, mm-hmm. and again, that does, that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. If you become an expert in your field, and I'm going to go ahead and use my beautiful and talented wife, Emily, and I as, as the proof of concept, yeah. Right. We were great photographers. We worked really, really hard to establish our tel- self in photography. We started to curate a client list based on uh, aligning with highest level events, highest level referral sources. And we used the core principle of people first than profit as relationship marketing experts yeah. to grow our audience, to grow our referral sources. And what happens is if you truly do the hard work You dig deep to define your brand, define your marketing voice and sell into an alignment of your value proposition with the wants and needs of a client. And then you create an exceptional experience for whomever we're talking about. You are then seen as the expert. You are then seen as the best of the best. You elevate yourself from the market you're already existing in. When you become an authority, Mm-hmm. It means that people start talking about you yeah. to other people, right? People fundamentally want to help one another. Yeah. And uh, because you're talking to a lot of folks in the entrepreneurial space, probably in the digital world, we had the pleasure of meeting Russell Brunson, uh, ClickFunnels founder, I think five or six years ago. He did an event in Dallas. We had the pleasure of, of winning his business. hmm And I believe that it was the experience we created, the portfolio of photography that we shared with him, where he started to say, hey, these guys are great. We really wanna continue working with them. And so from that point on, we had the pleasure of photographing with Russell and the ClickFunnels team around the country because he felt like better than hire someone in each city. Let's just work with the person that we know is meeting and exceeding our expectations. So that might have made me an expert. What might have been considered what made us an authority was when Russell started telling the people in his space, yeah. these are the guys you probably want to photograph your event. And so that's how we started working with Stephen Larson and the OfferMind, OfferLab teams. Unfortunately, COVID then decided to put a little monkey wrench in everybody's plans and we're waiting in the wings for when the event uh, and the hospitality industries are able to rebound yeah. and we'll hopefully be at, at their service again. But, but th- I think that's the bridge right there. Um, is when you become a subject matter expert and you do what you do at your very best and you're better smarter faster and you you've crawled walked, run flown and then people start talking about you and saying you can you can hire anybody you want but if you really want the expert the professional the best experience possible these are the people you hire or these are the people you listen to these are the people you follow
0: so is is becoming an authority is just a mindset issue or do you believe there are tools out there which you can implement even in the in the smallest capacity possible or it's just about being a mindset as it is
1: i don't think anything's just mindset but i don't think you're going to achieve anything tactical without mindset mm-hmm. right so if uh, if you believe that you're the best and the expert but you don't do the hard work it's not going to work because it's essentially a mirage, right? You haven't done the hard work to establish yourself as an expert, and people are going to see through sort of a a veil of of uh, fake it till you make it, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas if you have the mindset, a lot of times that's what it takes to do the hard work because it, anybody that's been in the entrepreneurial space, and you mentioned it earlier, Bamsi, like you're up, you're down. You're winning, you're losing, you're kind of flatlining, and then you find another way to to kind of enlighten yourself and, and move up and again and then you're back down again. So it's a roller coaster ride. It takes mindset to fight through that. It's not it's not for the faint of heart, but people do it because they're looking for success and they're looking for fulfillment and they're looking for profit, both monetary, but also otherwise, right? All the different ways you might measure profit. And so I think you have to have confidence you have to have strategy and you have to have a lot of those mindset things but then you got to do the work and if you want just a couple of pointers in my in my mind yeah. the very first thing you need to do is understand that unique starts with you yeah. and if you want to establish a brand and a voice and message behind your marketing that allows you to be an expert and go on to be an authority you 100% have to find the things about you that makes you so unique. And so I'll give you just two quick anecdotes. When Emily and I were in the social market and we were doing more weddings, this was probably 10 years ago, okay. Emily uh, had been in the beauty industry for a while. She had done some modeling. And so when we worked with the bride, we were very clear with them about the fact that Emily is both a photographer and was a model at some point. And so she had a very, very unique skill set to pose and position and capture images of them that will make them look and feel like they're on the cover of a magazine. And when we converted to a lot more of the corporate work, I was very specific in sharing with corporate clients and hotels and venues and preferred partners that were going to recommend us that I spent 10 years in the hospitality industry planning and coordinating and executing events. And so what happens is they then have a photographer on their team that understands their frictions, their pain points, the hard work they're doing and can sometimes alleviate things, see things coming. Yeah, and so those are the types of things you got to dig deep to establish. That's the very first thing I would do for anybody who's looking to make their mark and establish themselves as an expert in any niche.
0: So uh, when when you are basically working with some of these entrepreneurs for their events, and um, you know you're not just uh, uh, an event guy, you know you you are a relationship marketer. You you have been a speaker. You you go on. You know, hundreds of different shows, and you know, understand how this whole entrepreneurial world is really functioning right now. So, what are the kind of mistakes that you see the beginner entrepreneurs, or even the experienced ones, for that matter? You know, with your own experience of looking and working with uh, you know some of the fellow entrepreneurs in your in your space, what kind of mistakes are you seeing people doing, which is really hurting their business big time?
1: Well, I think one of the first things is is one of the things we talked about is, is a mismanagement of expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that they believe that things should be happening faster than oh. than they thought, or that they're experiencing. And I think the word "should" is every manner of evil in certain times, because then you find yourself competing with either uh, an unmanaged expectation or the one in a million, you know, overnight success story, right? Um, Most people's overnight success stories takes years and years and years or months and months and months of effort and trial and error. And so if you can manage that expectation, you're you're gonna be in a better position and prepared to sort of run the marathon than expect it to be a sprint. So that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, is it's very easy to get overwhelmed because when, especially if you go from a world that's corporate America yes. to either a solopreneur or a very small team of people, the amount of things that could be a, a draw on your time in a given day is just supremely overwhelming. And so it's important to remember that you have to be organized. You have to be strategic and tactical in nature. And, and here's the difference. in my, In my world, okay? Strategy is your flight plan.
0: Yeah.
1: It's high level. This is the direction I want to go. This is my branding, my marketing. This is my sales plan. This is the experience creation for the client. Uh, this is how I'm going to establish myself as an expert. This is my niche. Really super high level. This is my mission. These are some of my messages. Now, the roadmap is how you achieve that.
0: Mm-hmm
1: right? If this is my brand, this is my logo design. This is the way in which I make an identity for myself. If this is my marketing strategy, these are the platforms I use. This is where you'll find my message on which social media platforms, how am I sharing my message? So a balance of that is incredibly important because one without the other, just the wheels come off, right? And so when I'm coaching uh, uh, one of my clients, I tell them, start with the strategy, Mm -hmm. make sure that you have a reasonably confident structure behind your strategy okay. and then make sure that you stop and then move to the tactical because the mm-hmm. strategy without tactical is basically blue sky, open water, dreamer, not a doer. Tactical without strategic is I don't know what to do. I'm a baby with keys. I've got a million different irons in the fire and I don't know which one's burning the hottest and how do I address this thermostatic management? Oh my God. And they just feel encumbered and, and futile. So that's the next thing is I would say, you have to be strategic and tactical at the same time, which requires, and I'll just go ahead and say it, which oftentimes requires reaching out to somebody who's been a trailblazer, been there before you and said, Hey, I need your help. Right. We all need help. And that's the point at which typically people come to me and they're like, I just don't know what to do. And we use our business as a proof of concept and we walk them through that process and we ensure that they understand these are the steps that you can take to not only make progress, but feel good about that progress. Cause otherwise, um, I think that's where people burn out and they give up, and that's the last thing in the world we want.
0: Yeah. So when you had this um, shift from being an expert who can help some of the biggest corporations to run their events, do the kind of photography that uh, you, as a service, as an organization, you you guys offer, and then you had this, um, you know, transformation from being an expert to an authority after you started working with an organization like ClickFunnels. Was your organization ready for that big leap uh, suddenly when people started, you know, uh, you know, holding uh, to your company and wanting to work with you? So, how how was um, that whole experience, and um, you know, what were the kind of learnings that you had from that little uh, shift from working with one company and then everything changed from there?
1: So uh, that is an exceptional question. And essentially what we're talking about is is growth and scale, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my corporate backbone had some impact on that. It allowed me to understand the value and the importance of having a process and uh, standard operating procedures so that you know that this is how each of these processes work. Because when you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur or a small team, you just figure, well, we each have our own our own lane, we stay in our lane and they do those things. Well, when you scale, you oftentimes have to designate, delegate and figure out, Hey, I'm going to bring a virtual assistant on, or I'm have another photographer and we're going to divvy up the responsibilities that used to be mine. There's nothing worse, Famsi, than being in a situation where you're like, I can grow and scale. Now these people want what I'm offering. Now I need to do that and write a standard operating procedure. So somebody understands how to do this task. Right. Yeah. So I'll be perfectly candid. I was really good at that uh, in corporate America. But when I uh, joined in the business world, I didn't do a tremendous job because I was busy hustling like so many people. And it's somewhat the universe uh, presenting us with irony. The thing that changed that for me wasn't working with a large company like like ClipFunnels, whose expectation demands might be greater than others. It was having a child. When we had a child in 2016, um, we had the best year we've ever had in our photography studio in 2016. And that's with my wife pregnant, unable to work for part of the year. And the reason that happened was I started to work with uh, basically an apprentice. It was a photographer that uh, had left the financial industry and wanted to be a photographer. And I said, here's the deal. It's been a pleasure working with you. I'm about to ramp you up. And we started teaching him our trade, teaching him how we run our business, how to represent our brand. And what happened was he would either work alongside me Mm -hmm. or for me, in the absence of Emily. And we went on to have a banner year in 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, each grew year over year over year. And one of the main reasons was we could continue to add associate photographers and basically vet them, train them under our brand, and have no problem saying, I'm, I'm unavailable. However, we have an associate photographer who's going to come photograph your event for you. And, and here's all the ways in which we're, we're going to assure that success. We can control the process and there's no loss of experience there, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would encourage every single entrepreneur that's listening to me right now, if they're not good at something like a process flow or a standard operating procedure, which isn't sexy, I'm yeah. um, like people want to be like out in the world and doing fun stuff and, you know, those that are digitally native are like, I just want to go live and talk to my audience all the time. That's great. But when you're not doing that, you need to be building a process and a structure, right? That allows you to scale and grow without then being in a situation where you're trying to make traction, scaling and growing and building the the fundamentals of the business operation itself. That that's probably, I'd say one of the biggest struggles. It's the biggest bottleneck when it comes to growing and scaling. Absolutely.
0: And, and, uh, with, with with whatever uh, you know success that you have seen um, you know doing uh, what you have been doing in the last decade or so I see a lot of people running behind success um, as something which is a, a tangible uh, asset that everyone wants to lay their hands on so in that context um, what is your definition of success when do you believe that okay if you if you did something this is what, success is so what is your definition of success
1: that's another great question vamsi and and i'm i'm in a i'm hosting a group coaching uh right now and it's it's around the the fundamental of people first and profit and a person in that course said maybe i'm just getting hung up on terminology but i've always measured things by the word success And now it appears as though we're going to be measuring by profit. And again, just to be very, very clear, we're not talking about monetary profit. We're talking about the benefits of putting people first and achieving, and again, air quotes you can't see on a podcast, but achieving success. Yeah. When I think about success, I think about achieving a goal that is a smart goal, that is a goal that you've set that can be any manner of complexity or or sincerity. So I'm not gonna lie, if, if your goal for this week is to attain posting something live every week so that you increase your consistency, then you've reached success if you do it every day that week, right? So success for me is not one gigantic attainable goal. Success is basically saying I've set these goals and i encourage everybody out there to set small smart goals right if you don't know what smart goals are then look it up it's it's very well known it's uh, strategic measurable actionable relevant and time trackable right it's it's writing a goal that is very specific and it can be big right you can have a very large goal like i'm going to set a financial goal of six figures in my first year but you can also set something as small as today i'm going to accomplish these five things yeah. so that's success Um, and I think it's a great measurement of tactics. If I had to just sort of right here, right now in this moment, I would say that to my earlier analogy, profit is probably something that's benefit of the strategy, right? So if the strategy is, this is my brand, this is my voice in marketing, this is the sales that I'm going to offer the world. And this is the creation of experience I'm going to have, I want to reach my mission is to reach this audience and benefit their lives and blah, blah, blah. Once you achieve that, I don't feel like that success. I feel like that you've achieved profit.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's, that's what I think about that.
0: And, and one of the things, a lot of people quit this whole industry uh, within very short time is when they come across failure in whatever size it comes in. Right. So, mm-hmm when was the first time in this, in this decade plus of journey that you have gone through, when was the first time that you kind of thought, okay, this is probably, uh, my, my first failure and what, what, what was running through you, if you could uh, go back in time and, uh, share a little more experience about how do you, how did you handle your first failure and what was it like?
1: Well, I'll give you two examples. So in the photography space, um, I remember that one of the linchpins, this wasn't a failure, but this was an eye-opening experience that led led to sort of a, a shift in our business. And then we still had yet another setback. So in our very early days, we went to a networking event. Uh, again, as a relationship marketer, I wanted to make sure I met people and and that they were aware of our brand and our message. And I found at that very event that I'd say probably 30% of the people or more that I met were fellow photographers in the industry trying to attain the same client as us and it was at that moment that i said to emily and she shared in my vision that we couldn't just be photographers if we were just photographers we were going to be in a sea a very red ocean of people all trying to compete for the same piece of business or similar pieces of business and it was at that moment we said we have to elevate ourselves out of this so people um, would refer us and clients would hire us based on that difference even just a few years later, when we started to really sort of achieve success, we were in a position where um, a service provider of ours made a mistake. We were working with a, a CPA or a bookkeeper, and um, they had made a, a calculation error. And uh, we had been paying our taxes all year long, and they came back and said there was a there was a mistake on our spreadsheet, and uh, we under or we over uh, deducted some funds, and so you're going to now have a bubble payment to the government. And it was in the 2008-9 range when the recession was hitting kind of hard and cash flow was probably at his minimum. And I just remember looking at Emily, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Yeah. I just don't know why. I should just go get a paycheck. They'll take the taxes out. It was that moment where uh, what you do for a living that you love so much and what you do for a living that you have to do to operate a business sort Absolutely. of just ran right together. And, and, yeah. and it was a train wreck and a, and a fire. And we, we basically cleaned out our account, went almost back to zero. As far as cash flow goes, um, just basically kept enough per an operating budget and started over um, and worked harder and cleared up that mistake so it didn't happen again the next year. But I can tell you this right now at that very moment, it wasn't, we didn't keep going for the money. Because if it was just keeping going for the money, I probably would have said, forget it. I'll just go back to a hotel. I'll go find a a, a 40-hour-a-week or 60-hour-a-week paycheck, and, and it'll be secured, and I won't have to worry about any of this stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: It was because I knew that I loved doing it. It's where we're building something we believed in, and we absolutely weren't willing to give up on it. Yeah. Um, more recently, and more in this space, from a perspective of people that are uh, endeavoring upon, especially online entrepreneurship or, or chasing a dream, I fail every day right now a little bit like there's a little bit of failure in every day. Maybe it's a mismanagement of expectations. Maybe it's um, that I just didn't do as well on that podcast interview as I would have wanted, or I didn't provide the resources to the guests that I was talking to in enough time, what, whatever the case may be, but every single one of them makes you just a little bit stronger. And so um, I, I read a book called the subtle art of not giving a F and he talks about the fact that, that life um, isn't the absence of problems. And I'm going to go ahead and replace that word with the absence of failures. You basically want to mitigate the failures or problems and try to pick the ones that you want, right? And so I would rather uh, make a mistake with a guest or maybe not do as great a job on an interview as I may, may have liked in order to basically constructively grow, yeah. than just give up and not do it at all. So I'm, I'm happy to welcome that little bit of failure. Because it drives you, it makes you better, um, and more than anything, you just can't give up.
0: Awesome. I mean, uh, I think um, I think failure is just about the mindset in terms of what kind of situation you are in at that point, and trying to mitigate those few hours, which would essentially lead you to what you were just before that that moment happened and uh, Mm -hmm. keep keep going with what you were doing. Um, So how do do you prepare yourself when you actually have something that you believe that didn't go in the right direction, the right plan that you wanted it to go and then it didn't happen?
1: So two things. Um, First and foremost, I remind myself and I learned this in photography too we're always the hardest on ourselves and we give the most sort of grace and latitude to people around us. So in a photography space, it would be me taking a headshot of two people and the one person looking at their own photo and being like, Oh, mm, uh, I don't look that great. Or I look okay. And they look at the photo of their person that was next to them. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you look so wonderful. Yeah. And the other person would typically do the exact same. And that's great from a place of humility and to to not uh, appear um, overly ambitious about yourself. But at the same time, when we do that, we sort of self-deprecate or we tear ourselves down just a little bit rather than build ourselves up. Now, with that said, there's nothing wrong with looking at something you did that you would have liked to have done better and take stock in it and evaluate it and try to improve upon it for next time. But when you give yourself too much criticism, right and you don't work hard enough to just see the the way in which you can grow it has a somewhat insidious effect right uh and then you start to sort of start to to rather than be constructive you start to be destructive which nothing good will ever come of that um and and on the other hand i think it's just important that we remember that that's part of the process right um I always tell Emily that it's hard for me because I'm not typically good at not being good at something. I think it's part partially that it 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 dri- it's what drives me, which is great. It has it. There's a benefit to being measured in your criticism of yourself because it allows you to again be creative and and grow. But we have to accept that when you rode a bike, you didn't just hop on and ride a bike. When you learn to read and write and type. You didn't You didn't give yourself too hard a time as you grew and learned into that. And so that's the other thing, I, the mindset I always think is, especially when you're an entrepreneur, you're learning something every day. I don't care how good you are at something, something is gonna present itself to you every day and you're gonna learn from it. Give yourself the time and the knowledge and the acceptance that I'm going to grow in this, this is going to be better. It's going to make every day a little bit better. Uh, And and that will, again, it will save you from being destructive or breaking yourself down too far. And it'll put you on a path to being creative and constructive.
0: I mean, um, really awesome in terms of how you approach, uh, especially when there are hard times in the business and which which is something very common with anyone who's a solopreneur, an entrepreneur and failures is like... uh, um, a daily thing, as you mentioned, uh, irrespective of the kind of sizes they come in uh, on a daily basis so what what is the kind of legacy you want to leave behind for your family, and what do you ultimately want to be known for?
1: oh my gosh what a what a great question. So everything does truly come back to my rally and cry of people first and profit um, everything about legacy. Uh, was was uh, up until four years ago was about, um, I think, paying honor to the people that that had a hand in raising me and in helping me become the person that I became. Um, as of four years ago, Legacy is everything about my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a hospitality veteran, artist, entrepreneur. I've got lots of hats that I wear in a given day, but the most important is, is father and husband. Mm-hmm. And now every decision I make if it's especially a big one, is about how will this impact my daughter. Um, children learn from us. Um, I spend a great deal of time with my nephews because I'm very, very close with my sister. So uh, I guess as an Italian-American, uh, family is just something that's been always important to me. And so they're older than my daughter and they see what we're doing here, how hard we're working, how we didn't allow the global pandemic that has decimated the events in hospitality industry. We didn't allow that to tear us down or stop us we just basically stood back up after we dusted ourselves off a bit and tried to figure out another way to have a contribution and so it teaches them that type of resolve and resilience and so i guess i would say that if if i if people were talking about me after my unfortunate and untimely demise i would hope that they were going to say something like you know he 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 did people proud that helped him become the person that he was He was an exceptional father that spent a great deal of time with his daughter. He showed her the importance of being kind, um, being tolerant, being inclusive. And uh, I do hope that she does sort of get encouraged by the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I got it from my grandfather. It wasn't obvious or intrinsic to me. I went into corporate America because I thought that's just what you did after you graduated from college. But he was a serial entrepreneur every time uh, the world threw something at him he was uh, just just as an anecdote he was a, a, a guy that provided ice to people for ice boxes okay in like the 40s before refrigerators were were a thing yeah. and so what happened when refrigerators came out they put him out of business so he he adapted he moved on he started another business he never once in his entire adult life worked for someone else he just always created a new business so i do hope that she gets bit by that as well so i hope that i hope that people see me as sort of a uh, maybe an authority in the entrepreneurial space to hope that she gets bit by that bug. Um,
0: so um, one of the guests in my last uh, episode, uh, you know, even without, so there was a similar discussion that we were going through. And she said, um, her daughter really wanted to become an entrepreneur. And that's something that she said out of nowhere on on one fine day. So is your daughter also willing to be an entrepreneur? Did you ever had any conversation like that with her?
1: I think she's probably a little young to understand. She's, uh, she's just over four now, but I will tell you that, um, you know, most of my day is spent in my office that I share with, with her. And with, um, it's kind of like our little guest room. Uh, she will oftentimes give me a kiss and send me up the stairs with my cup of coffee and say, have good calls today, daddy. Or, um, she'll come in and check in and say, daddy, can I come in? Or you want to call, uh, because she'll want to come and sit. And I I think what's really cool, uh, about what's going on right now is one, I get to spend an inordinate amount of time around my daughter, even if I'm not with her and I'm doing calls or, or speaking on a podcast or hosting a podcast, whatever it is, I'm around her. And that work-life integration is exceptional. And uh, I wouldn't do that on someone else's podcast. But for example, when I host my coaching call and, and we're in group coaching and we're talking about the development of other people's lives, she'll come in she'll sit on my lap and she'll want to say hi to those groups of people. And I encourage that. And I love that. And so I got, I got to hope one day she does look at me and say, daddy, I want to be an entrepreneur or daddy. I want to do what you do. Um, It's going to be a toss up. It's going to be a coin flip. I'm so passionate about both sides of this, of this life right now that uh, whether she says, daddy, I want to take pictures for a living or daddy, I want to be an entrepreneur and, and help others. Whatever her passion is, I hope she pursues it.
0: Two things that uh, kind of come to my mind right now, when you uh, talked about this thing, I think your daughter and my son are very very similar uh, i get to hang around with my son so he loves to come on different uh you know uh it, like po- these uh, podcast interviews or uh, any calls that i'm doing with my clients he wants to sit on my lap and say hi to everyone on the call and uh, get i get to you know really spend a lot of time and there was this time when i was working in the corporate world i used to hardly spend about 40 minutes to an hour before i go to my bed and you know today i'm almost with him you know like like your daughter says have good time with your calls the moment i'm closing my doors he'll say oh, are you going on a call so he knows that i'm a different guy when uh, i'm not getting into a call and suddenly with my whole attire the room getting with the lights on and all of that he knows that i'm getting into a call right and mm-hmm. uh, very similar uh, incident uh, happened when I was interviewing Cassie Braun for uh, the summit that I was doing. Middle of a very, really good conversation. Uh, one of her daughters came in and I asked Cassie, should, should I pause the recording? She said, no, Vamsi, I think we should continue recording this simply because I want the world to know that this is the new normal. Mm-hmm. So the kind of things that we are doing right now it should never be uh, seen as an interruption this is this is a part of the business this is the part of the family that we are all and uh, th- there is nothing very different about someone you know jumping into a call and uh, you should take it in a different way you know but uh, thank you so much for uh, you know bringing those two things onto my mind and uh, is there any question that i was supposed to ask you which i didn't and you want to answer that
1: Oh my goodness. An open-ended question. You know, I, I have to say that I do this quite a bit and your questions have been uh, both uh, insightful and and enjoyable to answer. Um, I, I want to touch on one more thing then. And, and this is as a relationship marketer at the core, I want people to remember that not only just in the digital age, but in the the time of pandemic that we're fighting through right now, it is increasingly hard to make genuine connections with people. And it is increasingly important to do just that. And yeah. so I guess I want people to understand that the rules have changed with regards to, uh, or the, the circumstances have changed with regards to, to establishing those relationships. Yeah. And I would love for everybody to take a quick moment, get out a piece of paper Write down some names of some people that they either want to connect with and haven't yet, or are already connected with but haven't interacted with in a very long time. I want them to make a little list and I want them to reach out. And it doesn't necessarily have to be by phone or by Zoom. It doesn't have to be, you know, overtly um, in your face per se, but it has to be more than just a like of a photo or a, a passing comment. It could be a very thorough text message or a DM in one of the social media channels. Yeah. We live in a world now where things are becoming a bit more transactional than I would like as a relationship marketer. And here's yeah. an example. I love LinkedIn. If you're not using LinkedIn, you guys are missing out. It's a very great way to keep an eye, especially in the hospitality industry. see like people are moving and changing because of hotel closures and um, companies either, you know, sizing down or, or going out of business. And what I'm finding is as things, get more hopeful, people are moving around. And and LinkedIn tells me that. And and here's what I mean. I both send them a little note that says, congratulations on you, new position at blank, but I make myself a note and I fill out a card and I put a little stamp on it and I put it in the mail so that when they go to that job, that new job, that unknown job that may have been something they were super excited about or something that they're just stepping into because they need something now and they get a note from a familiar person that they know took a little bit of extra time, so uh, do that. Be a relationship marketer at your core. Try to reach out to people. Make sure they're okay. Do something that you know is going to have an impact on their life, and I guarantee you, uh, good things will come from that for both you and for them.
0: You no, know, I mean, uh, very inspirational. I think it's it's just that human touch, right? I mean, there's there's not a a lot of time that you are actually spending around doing that. It's just that additional human touch that. Like, uh, that's probably missing from all of us lives right now it's more virtual as you said it's more transactional and uh, uh, what's what's in store uh, for your business in the next couple of years what's oh man those, what's keeping you on your toes right now so uh
1: i cannot wait to be able to use my camera more liberally again it's funny you have to watch what you wish for when emily and i were at our busiest which was probably q1 of 2020 um, we did the two comma club X uh, crews with Russell and his team. We did funnel hacking live. We did some work with uh, Steve and his group and then some local things. And at one point I thought, man, is there a day going to come? That I'm not going to need my camera, use my camera, be running around with my camera and then poof, this happened. So watch what you wish for. Uh, Emily and I are it just seriously, we're standing in the wings. We cannot wait to create uh, memories and legacy and document people's live events because of the energy and the excitement uh, at the same time. I'm hoping we can continue to serve that wonderful list of curated clients photography wise. And uh, I'm building an infrastructure of being able to help other business owners and entrepreneurs do all the things that we just talked about. So I'm in the middle of a beta group of uh, young entrepreneurs that are looking to establish their mark. Um, I'm offering coaching sessions and group coaching classes for people that are looking to establish a brand, find their voice, understand how to sell and then create an experience that really does make them an expert and and hopefully an authority in their marketplace. So, uh, I think going forward, we're going to operate both those brands and we're going to hope to have the biggest impact we could possibly have on all those clients.
0: Awesome, Don. Um, so thank you so much, but before I let you go, how would uh, people find you? Uh, and, um, you know, where, where can people find you and what you're doing? Uh, if you could route them to a few places.
1: Sure. So, uh, obviously I'm on all the social media platforms at Don Mamoni. Uh, if you don't know how to spell that, it's okay. Cause you can just go to peoplefirstthenprofit.com. That's the easy way to do it. Um, peoplefirstthenprofit.com has links to a number of free resources. It has my podcast. It has my YouTube channel. It has uh, links to all of my social media, um, profiles. So, um, I do discovery calls with folks. I want them to listen to the podcast because as much as I like to think that I have stuff to share, the the list of, of entrepreneurs that have been on that on that show that have shared secrets with how they succeeded is is remarkable and I'm humbled by the fact that they've spent their time with me. So go check out peoplefirstinprofit.com and, and if I can be helpful, you can just reach out.
0: Awesome. Um Thank you so much. Uh, I think it's one of the uh, great conversations that I had in recent times. Uh, it's been really inspirational for my own uh, you know, consumption. Uh, and I'm sure people listening to this episode right now would have had their own share of learnings from the experience that you have gone through. So thank you once again for coming on the show, taking out your time and uh, looking forward to many more interactions like this, Don. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir. I very much appreciate
0: you and I wish you all the success. Thank you. Sir. Hey, everybody, this is Vamsi again. And really quick, I wanted to invite you to join arguably the best virtual marketing summit of the year that I hosted called the Impact Marketing Summit. So go check out the summit at impactmarketingsummit.com. I asked two comma club entrepreneurs like Steve Larson, Marley Jacks, Gabe Schillinger, Akbar Sheikh, and other 30 top notch entrepreneurs to share their virtually unknown secrets to get tons of leads and traffic to any website or funnel. And the one thing that brought them from failure to success. Now, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like I had stuck gold. Things that can take your business from just a dream to a money-making machine. Things you won't believe six to seven-figure marketers would share. At least not without charging thousands of dollars for access to their inner circles. So get your access to the summit today at impactmarketingsummit.com. I repeat, that is impactmarketingsummit.com. I will see you on the inside.